We are at war. Things are not as they seem, and war means we are ready. And if you're not ready for battle, you're going to get whipped. And so today, I'm calling this sermon the battle preparation brief. Before an army goes into a battle or any part of an army goes into battle, they sit down, they have a brief. They brief them on what is about to happen and how they're going to go at it, and what are the strategy and what are the weapons that are needed. And so, uh, if you'll just stand up with me for a second, we'll read these four verses. In Ephesians 6, you just heard uh, Rick read two of them. Uh, um, and here's what they say. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, in the name of our commander in chief, Jesus Christ, we bow before your throne, thanking you that our commander gave his life that we could live and has risen from the dead to ensure that this covenant is put into power, that the Holy Spirit could come and live with us. And so, Lord, we thank you that we do not stand here helpless and hopeless, but we stand with the power of God in us. Lord, may we not try to manipulate you or that power, but may we be weak. May we be uh, uh, let go of ourselves that you might be strong through us so that only you can get the glory for what is done. Give us the, the understanding today that we might live our life in a way that's pleasing to you. We bind our enemy in the name and authority of Jesus. We bind the strong man and we want to spoil his house. Lord, I pray for lost people here today, whether they come to church or not, whether they're religious or not, uh, whether they think they're saved or not. Lord, I pray that if, if anyone here is on his way to hell and the enemy has blinded him today, your light would shine in their heart and they would know that Jesus is the Christ and that they should bow their knee to you and that they should be saved. Lord, we thank you. You sent the Holy Spirit to do that work. I can't do it, so we ask you to do it. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, for those who uh, already have a relationship with you, may this day we be serious about engaging in this battle. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be seated. I, I don't know how to emphasize it that uh, the battle is real. We are coming up on the highest Black Sabbath of the, of the year. Uh, what the world calls Halloween. Christians call it All Saints Day. It's also the 500th anniversary this year of when Martin Luther attacked the, uh, the 95 Thesis to the door at Wittenberg, which said, hey, it's by faith alone. And, and uh, some phrases came out of that. It's by, through the scriptures alone, by grace alone, uh, uh, by faith alone, in Christ alone, and to God alone be the glory. And uh, that was just the motto they had because up to that day, uh, the church had become so corrupt, they were selling forgiveness of sin and all that. So we celebrate that. But I just want you to understand, we're coming up on the highest holy day for those who worship our enemy, Satan. And that is on Halloween. It's the biggest Black Sabbath. It's Christmas for satanic worshipers and witches and all those folks. And they'll be out in force, and they will be having uh, whatever things they have. Uh, the covens will be meeting. They'll be uh, praying against Christians. They'll be wanting, uh, trying to throw stuff on us. Thankfully, they can't. I just laugh at them, but uh, because the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But the war is real, and if you don't know that, if you don't understand that, uh, I was explaining this week when a man is in sin, 
He's, he, if a Christian remains in a habitual sin, it's only one of two reasons he would do so. One is ignorance. The other is rebellion. So I want to eliminate your ignorance and set you at the fork of the road whether you will choose Christ or the world. Amen. Okay, y'all, y'all aren't sure about that one. Okay, that's fine. But today, we come to this passage, and we'll, uh, we hopefully will finish it. Uh, time has really gotten short, but, but hopefully we'll finish it. Last week, I talked about verse 10. We have to be emptied of self and filled with his strength, not our strength, his strength. Today, I'm going to begin speaking out of verse 11, even though this 10 through 13 is a whole, that you should see it as a whole. And here's what I want you to take home with you today, if you'll put up that uh, that brief statement, hopefully, coming quickly. I know uh, we've already read the scriptures. If you go on from that, there it is. Before we take the battlefield, we better understand our preparation and who our enemy is. Our enemy. You better know your enemy. If you know what the enemy's going to do, you can better prepare for it. I was asking Pete yesterday, and I'd read in another book a little bit, and. Pete's a historian of about World War II especially. And he was telling me there's a spot in France that, that was always a conflict with Belgium about who, who got, or Germany, who got to own that because it was a, it, it's a, a strip of land, very rich in minerals. And the French built all their defenses at that spot. So the Germans just went around them. The book I read said they should have known that. The Germans always go around that. But they were so focused on holding on to what they had they ignored the enemy and how he would work to defeat them. And we have to understand that. We are in a fight against the enemy. If you don't understand how he works, and it's not always jumping out in a red suit going, boo! Because if the devil ever did that to me, I'd just say, in Jesus' name, I take authority over you right now. Because, listen, as, as a wise man told me, he said, I don't care what I see when I die. I don't care if I see a light. I'm going to look at that light and say, you there, has Jesus come in the flesh? Is he God? He said, I don't trust just because it's a light. It's God. I'm going to ask it to make sure that I, who I'm looking at and talking to is God. Friend, we've got to have that kind of mentality. You have to just always be prepared to be in a fight. Have you ever thought about this? That Satan roamed Gethsemane's grounds? You see, the Bible says at the Last Supper, Satan having entered Judas. And then you turn the page and you see Jesus praying in the garden and Judas came into the garden. We know Satan was in the garden where Jesus was praying. We know that he was tempting him, but Jesus stood up and fought that battle and fought it to victory because he died on the cross and was buried and rose again on the third day. Amen? And he used the enemy... To win the battle for us. See, he knew what Satan was going to do. And he let Satan do it. But he used it to whip him. See, all y'all are y'all just nice. Y'all don't like to fight. But I want you to know, you can't be a Christian without fighting. This is warfare. And when you read these verses, you, you catch that. So what he says there in verse 10 is, put on the whole armor of God. That word whole armor is one word in Greek. And I want you to get... What the sense of armor is. It's only one word in Greek, but it's a compound word. It comes from two words. One word means all. It's the word that means everything. And then the second word means tools. And so what he is saying, and that's why they translate it whole armor. They mean use every weapon tool available to you. Use it. Now, in this passage, he's going to go on to give us some specific tools that we have in which to fight our enemy. And we would be wise to understand those. And as we go through them, hopefully we'll understand them and to equip them and, and to use them. But, 
but um, I, I studied a little bit of self-defense, and what I learned is people have weapons that they don't know about. I mean, you can tell I'm not wearing a gun. And so if you approach me with a weapon, you would think I was unarmed. But I'm not. I've got on some sharp-toed boots and a leg that can kick them. That's a weapon. Some tough heels. I've got some hands that I know how to do a few things with. I've got a head that's harder than most people's. You know what else I have? I have a voice. Listen, if you're ever attacked in a crowd, yell fire. If you yell help, everybody will ignore you. Yell fire, that involves them. They're going to start looking around wondering, where's the fire? So don't, don't yell help, yell fire. But you can scream. You can scream at your attacker. You can say all kinds of things that we wouldn't let you say in church. Just to shock them, scare them, do something. And then run. Get away. You see, I'm not weaponless. But what if someone did attack me? Well, in my pocket, I do have an ink pen. And I can use that several ways as a weapon. You see, we're not defenseless. And this word means grab anything you can and use it as a weapon. But God has some specific weapons. Can you imagine a battle is about to ensue and the, and the army's getting ready to go out and fight that battle? And one guy just doesn't get any of the weapons. He just goes out in his clothes. I, I saw the movie Black Hawk Down, and in there, there was a guy that he had never got to go out with the group, and then on that Mogadishu time, another guy had been hurt, and so he was going to get to go. He had never been out, so he's at the table where they're getting all their weapons, and he's watching the other guys because he hadn't been able to go out yet, and he's like, I don't know what I need. And one of the more experienced guys who'd been out there a long time said, oh, you don't need a lot of water. We're only going to be gone three hours. They were gone three days. The guy was picking up a back plate armor. He said, you're not going to need that when you're going to turn your back to the enemy. And, you know, we're all going to be in a circle. and We're going to just hold a position, get back on the helicopter and leave. It'll be fine. That guy got shot in the back because they were gone so long. You see, sometimes we ignore the weapons and we forget to put them on. Or we don't put them on. And I want you to see what the Bible says about putting on that whole armor. There it says, put on the whole armor of God. The, battle, the, the battle's armor has to be in the proper place. This word put on, you know what word we get out of Greek and English for the word put on here? Endurance. It's enduo. It means you put it on, you don't ever take it off. I mean, you sleep in it. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those pictures on the internet, our soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and usually there's a caption, something like, when you sleep in your bed tonight, remember these guys. And it's 120 degrees and it's Marines and they're sleeping under a Humvee, still wearing their helmets, still wearing their armor, still having their weapons at ready, even in their sleep, because they are 100% ready 100% of the time on the battlefield. Well, guess what, Christian? We don't ever leave the battlefield. And this word to put on means put on with permanence. You don't take it off once you put it on. I, I, that kind of surprised me as I was studying. I saw that this time. Because I always like, you know, every day you got to put on your armor. Every day. And we even sing, you know, put it on with prayer. And every day put on your armor. Actually, the Bible's telling you when you put it on, don't take it back off. And when you start to see what the nature of the armor is as we go forward... You'll understand that a little bit better. But I want you to understand that. Do it once for all. Secondly, he goes on to say, um, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Just the idea of standing 
gives us obedience. The idea of obedience, of doing why you're putting on the armor. It'd be foolish to put on armor and not go to the fight, wouldn't it? God did not give us armor to sit in church and sing songs. Y'all got to amen something here in a minute. He did not give us the armor to sit around in a church building. He gave us the armor to get engaged in the fight, to use it, to go forward with it. To get involved and living in that obedience. It's got to be scripture dominated and spirit empowered. That's why in verse 10 he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not in our own strength, not in our own power. And it's got to be soaked in the scripture as we, we see there. We don't know the strength of the Lord unless we know his will. Unless we get into the word. And so as we get into it, as we put on the armor, we are to stand. We are to obey. We are to get done. What needs to be done. And in that idea of standing firm. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We stand firm. It's a word that means you hold a critical position under attack. We, we, it, it does not mean that we are in this little skirmish and we run off somewhere else. It means we go here. This is, this is where God placed us. Or, or we have a soldier in a fight. You go take that position and at all costs you do not surrender that position. That's what that word means. Let me ask you a question, very simple. What position has God given Calvary? To me, it's kind of obvious. Somebody tell me. I'll wait. But what position did he give us to take and hold? Stanton, thank you. So what are we doing to take Stanton? Are we just coming to church on Sunday to do a religious exercise and go home? Remember, the Bible is not, even though we have to individually obey it and apply it, it is written to the church that the church might act. Right? Now, each one of us as individuals have to act in these ways for the whole to act that way. And we may have different positions. Like a football team, it's not 11 individuals doing what they want to do. It's 11 individuals with one idea, one strategy, one plan that they're implementing together as a team. Right? We're a body, not a business. We're an organism, not an organization. And so we act in a way that is pleasing to God in unity, not unison. In unity, we attack our enemy. And our very first Position is our family. And we move out from there into our community, whether it's friends or workmates. And we move out into our city. And what is Calvary doing to defeat the enemy in Stanton? A couple weeks ago, they had a satanic gathering, mystic and mischief in Stanton. And next year, it's going to be even bigger. And we're going to be ready next time. I was under oppression for a week, and I didn't know why. And that was the week before it happened, and then it happened, and that Sunday was weird here. Now, I don't know if you felt it, but other people later told me they felt it too. As I said, it was just weird, and they said, yeah, I felt that too. Well, guess what? We invited the devil into Stanton. Next year, Calvary's going to try to keep him out. And I don't mean physically tell them they can't do that. We're just going to put a spiritual kibosh on it. You say, now you're scaring me. You're already in a fight. You're already in a war. And you're either ignorant or rebellious if you're not involved. Period. And we're going to eliminate the ignorance and then you've got a choice to make. Am I going to obey God or not? That's just where we are. And so we are to stand firm. We're to take our position. We're to supposed to fight where he put us. 
And of course it expands out. I believe we ought to fight in all the world. That's the command of Christ. But this is where we begin. This is where we start. And you don't have to start here and wait to go. We can go while we're standing here. But brother and sister, do you want to import what we got here around the world? That's the question we got to ask. Are we doing it the way we want everybody else to do it? And if the answer to that is, well, sort of, then we're wrong and we need to get it right. Amen? Okay, that's all I'm saying. You think about that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm just being, I'm critically thinking. Secondly, I want you to see the battle's enemy's strategist. Now, I said it that way because we think we fight against the devil. You know what? Get over yourself. You might not be that important. The devil probably just sends one of his littlest uh, demons just to take care of you. We're always thinking the devil himself showed up to get us. Eh, maybe not. He's got enough at his disposal. He may not even come close to us. But I tell you this, he's got some powerful, wicked demons that he can send. Even if he doesn't show up in person. And of course, he's kind of the authority behind that. I get that. And notice what it says, to stand against the schemes of the devil. You've got to know what Satan's schemes are. Guess what word we get from the word schemes? Method. We get the word method from the Greek word here for schemes. But when they use this word, they applied it many times to a wild animal. How does a wild animal hunt? How does a wild animal go after its game? I remember when I was a little kid with a BB gun. And please forgive me for what I'm about to say. I never shot a bird I didn't eat. My cousin made me. He saw me shooting a bird one time made me eat it. It was a little sparrow. So I learned. But I was watching this bird, and I, I don't think I was even going to shoot it. Maybe I was. But I was stalking this bird, and I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this orange cat, I never even saw that cat before, just whoop, got the bird and was off with it. Man, I jumped so high. Guess what? That animal had a method of hunting. And it was stealth and stalking. And I didn't even notice him. And that bird didn't notice him as he stalked up and then pounced. And that's the idea. You better know Satan's schemes. I already told you. Satan showed up in Gethsemane's garden. I had a wise man tell me one time that the shepherd knows the secret of where the enemy is holed up. He knows where the enemy is going to jump out and go boo. He knows where he's going to attack you. So the more you know the shepherd, the more he can warn you about the enemy. We're not out hunting just the devil. We are going to our shepherd. And our shepherd is guiding us and leading us. And he knows where he's going to attack. But he tells us we better understand that. Because as I said, Satan's not just going to jump out and attack you. He's not going to just jump out and scare you. Because the first time if you shock me, scare me, whatever. I told our staff, listen, you can sneak up on me pretty easily. Please don't do so. Because I will hit you. I will just swing without thinking. I just am jumpy that way. My dad was worse than me. I loved it when my brother-in-law was standing in front of my dad because I'd poke him and he'd hit my brother-in-law. It was great. But, uh, uh, but, but I'm, I'm kind of jumpy that way. So if I'm concentrating and you touch me, I'm just going to hit and then look around. What was that? Because I'm just... And we kind of think that's how the devil is. He's just going to jump us. No, because if you do that, we're going to jump back. So what does he do? He comes in with subtlety. He comes in with, well, just one time. You don't have to do it now. You don't really need to read that today. You can wait. See, Satan, we always say Satan's greatest uh, lies ever told is that he doesn't exist. I disagree. I think his greatest lies ever told is that you got time. 
You don't. There is a real and personal enemy. I put a quote out on Facebook. I think I told you all and I read it last week. And a friend of mine wrote and said, I always wondered why people believed in a personal real devil. I know why I believe in him. Like I said, I'm not so important. I don't think the devil showed up. But I've seen some of his, his uh, warriors come in my way. He is very real. He's very personal. You see, here's the battle enemies, warriors. It's in verse 12. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And it's so easy to get lost in that. It's so easy that when a person comes against us and a person says something to us, to get mad at that person. And it's not them. It's something they're being used. And you ought to pity them because there's an enemy behind that. There's an enemy behind what's happening. And you've got to have that vision. And he says, we do not wrestle. And guess what this word wrestle means? Hand-to-hand combat means wrestle. Okay, It means somebody grabs you and you are in a fight with them. Now, I'm trying to explain some of this fighting stuff because my wife was asking me about the sermon this week. And I said, you know, and I read it and kind of went through it real quick. And she said, what's armor? I said, what do you mean, what's armor? She said, what's armor? Because when I think of armor, she told me what she thought, and it was one little thing. This word armor comes from uh, English, where you put on protective gear. That was the armor. We think of that. So I asked Pete yesterday, what is armor to the army? He said, a tank. It's an armored vehicle. Oh, okay. So this word armor, now we have armories. The, why was the American Revolution, why was the first shots fired because, in the American Revolution? It was because the British were going to take away our means of shooting back. And so we said, uh-uh, and shot. And then the war was on. Our enemy wants to relieve us of our weapons. And he does so in hand-to-hand combat. He grabs hold of us and we wrestle him, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It, We wrestle against demonic forces. Now, there's a list here, and it suggests, and notice the words I'm using. Keep going. There's another slide. Keep going. Again. There you go. There are probably, notice that word, demonic rankings. In other words, there's some important demons and some not-so-important demons, some stronger demons and lesser demons. We don't know that for sure. The Bible suggests there's an order of ranking amongst the angels. So it would be no doubt that, that, that some of those rankings gone down. And the way this is listed, without getting into the details of it, uh, would suggest the same thing. But we do know this. And just to make the warfare real and let you know we don't really, we can't fully comprehend it. In Daniel chapter 10, I don't know if you remember this passage. But it sure gives us insight into this. That Daniel prayed a prayer to God. He needed to know something. And 21 days he didn't eat and he prayed. And on the 21st day, in flies Gabriel. I mean, I don't know what your imagination's like, but I don't need TV and movies. I mean, it's just up there in my head. And I just see Daniel just, Lord, why why won't you answer me? And all of a sudden there's this noise. And he looks up and this angel's coming in feet first. And his wings go down. He goes, Daniel, let me just tell you, man, 21 days ago, when the first time you said go, God looked at me and said, Gabriel, get down there and give him the answer. And he said, but I was hindered by the prince of Persia for 21 days. And God had to send the archangel Michael to help me. And so he's over there wrestling him so I could get to you. 
and tell you what you need to know. We love telling that story, but as I looked at it, I noticed this. He says, uh, after that, again having an appearance of a man, he touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. He said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. He's go, he said, i got to go back and help Michael. And it's going to get worse, Daniel. But we're taking care of that for you so you can do what God sent you to do. If you, your eyes could be open to see the spiritual warfare around you all the time, you'd be shocked. I, I firmly believe that. Right now in the heavenlies, angels are at war for us so that you can hear the word of God. And you better get a hold of that. You better understand that. Daniel, he gave us a picture of it. It's happening now. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a crying baby. It's not, listen, you go visiting a home and you're leading somebody to Christ. When you get to the point they're going to accept Christ, the cat will attack you. I just tell you, cats are demonic anyway. We all know that. But um, I'm just kidding. I like cats, actually. But it was a good joke. Uh, But I have seen that. I've seen the animals go crazy. I've seen all kind of weird things happen. And it's not that that thing is doing it. It's a demonic power poking it, telling it to do it, going after it. And and again, I don't want you to get all like, well, every bad thing is a demon after me. But friend, there are enough demons for that to be true. And you've got to be discerning and you've got to be real. And the battles, enemies, warriors, or demons that have been sent to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you better understand it. And then, here's the battles, conditions, and goals. It's all in verse 13. And we've covered a lot of this, so it won't take long. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. What is that? Every weapon at your disposal. Every tool that you can fight the enemy with... At your disposal. Pick it up. Put it on. Take on that full armor. What does it mean? It says that you may stand in the evil day. We didn't cover evil day. Here's how I always read that. Oh man, I better be ready because there's a day coming. Right? Isn't that how you think about it? Oh, there's going to come this really bad day one day and I better be prepared. Let me just tell you something. Every day since Adam sinned has been an evil day. Because that's the day man turned over control to the enemy. And until Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again and took back that control, the enemy is ruled. But Jesus is not taking full control. He only controls the church. Now, follow me. Don't, don't take it 100% literally what I'm saying because Satan is already defeated and God is sovereign and he does anything he wants. But, but what I'm saying is, Satan is allowed to operate in this domain. And when Satan looked at Jesus and said, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world, Jesus did not debate him whether he owned them or not. And every day since Adam's sin has been an evil day. Today is the day you better put on the armor and stand. Because today's an evil day. The enemy wants to kill you today. He wanted to kill you yesterday. He will want to kill you tomorrow. So be ready and then it says, stand firm. I already told you. Take that critical position. And even when the waves of the enemy come, you don't run. You stand your ground. Well, what can you do? Well, first of all, put on the full armor. 
You can read what it says there. You don't need me to explain it. You don't have to wait for me to explain it. Read it. You can figure that out. I'll, I'll talk about it. We'll look at it together later. But put on the full armor. Get, grab every tool at your disposal. Read your Bible. Come to church. Give. Witness. Tell people about the Lord. Pray. Walk in faith. All those things help us in our fight. Secondly, identify the way Satan affects you. Know the signs and triggers. Jesus knew Judas was going to come into that garden. Jesus knew he's going to the cross. In fact, that is the meaning of why he said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You better pray or you will fail when the day comes. He knew his day to die was coming. And he, knowing his enemy was coming, kneeled in prayer. Friend, our enemy's coming. We better be in prayer. And you better ask the shepherd to show you. All of us have a certain thing that will just trigger us off or set us off. And you've got to start looking at that spiritually and going, why am I doing that? Or why am I acting that way? Or why am I saying that? It's because there was a trigger Satan knew and he pushed the button on you. And then thirdly, prepare yourself for a lifelong fight. You're not going to put on the armor and fight today and tomorrow have to decide again. You're going to have to fight every day for the rest of your life. Or life on earth. Because I'm not going to die. I am going to leave earth and go to heaven, but I am never going to die. But my life on earth will be a life of battle. That's why God promises us rest in heaven. We cease from our battle. But some of y'all don't need rest. You're resting now. I heard a preacher one time say about another preacher in his area that he went to the doctor and he asked him what happened. He said, the doctor told me I needed to slow down. He said, if that man slowed down anymore, he'd be in reverse. And some of us, we're just, we're busy, but not in the right way. And so... Just evaluate your own life and be ready for a lifelong fight.